boxed, ready for Saturday morning's Greyhound Racing Wrap. Across Victoria, RSN 927 is talking greyhounds. Here's Simone Fisher. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Talking Greyhounds. Trent Mason out with you on this Saturday morning and what a beautiful day it is here in Melbourne. Joining me is Simone Fisher. G'day, Simone. How are you? Very well, thanks, Trent. Gee, aren't we lucky with this nice spring weather that we're suddenly starting to get? We are indeed. And of course, it gets nice uh, the day before I'm due to set off. I can't complain. <laughs> I'm going to Port Douglas, so the weather will be uh, pretty good up there, I'm sure. Um, who are we talking to today on Talking Greyhounds? Well, this week I'll be talking to Callie Bravo about the fabulous career of Striker Light and Craig Monagatti about the redevelopments that have just occurred at Warrnambool. Uh, let's uh, start off with what's been making news, what's been the big story of the week. Well, the list of Top Gun invitees for both the sprinters and stayers have been released this week, uh, including a couple of New Zealand chases for the stayers event. The world's richest invitation-only event is only three weeks away, and it's an exciting and anxious time, I guess, for trainers who are hoping to make the final cut there. Uh, the final field will be announced on Tuesday, the 16th of October. The box draw will be held on track at the Meadows on Saturday, the 20th of October, a week before the two big finals. So looking forward to that. It just gets such a busy time, doesn't it, now? Yeah, it doesn't stop, does it? It doesn't. There's a quiet time and then something else comes along. Speaking of, uh, last Saturday at Wentworth Park, the Vicks were to the fore. Again, like two weeks in a row here, or maybe three weeks in a row. Uh, again, they won all five heats. Uh, Shona Thompson trained a winning treble with Poke the Bear outstanding. He recorded a 29.51. He's knocking on the door for a massive race, this dog, and yep. who knows, this might just be it. But the semi-finals are next Saturday night, so... There will be a contingent of Victorians heading back up the Hume and I think we're going to have a very strong hold um, in how this all plays out. We weren't as uh, prominent, though, in the Adelaide Cup heats on Thursday night. No, look, disappointing, I guess, for South Australia and the Adelaide Cup heats. Uh, they only managed to get five heats and this is because of the timing with this million-dollar race and you can understand trainers wanting to take the Greyhounds up to Wentworth Park and I think next year it will not. this will not be the case. But having said that, we had a winner and a second placing to get through to the final, but it's been great for the South Australians. I mean, they've got six greyhounds through there from their home state. So I think it's, it's good for them. Shona Thompson did get real simple through and uh, vital force for Peter Prosciutto. He ran second. So the box draw is out, but um, look, I, I just I do feel for them with mm. the lack of nominations, but... Look, that's just the way it is, and um, we just have to move on. We mentioned, or you mentioned Striker Light at the top of the show. She's been retired. What a star she was. She's been outstanding, hasn't she? Just a, a sensational greyhound to watch. And I think her battles with Uphill Jill yeah. they always just created so much interest. But she was on course for this year's Top Gun and Melbourne Cup series, but unfortunately was injured last week, or during the week, in a trial. And it's an injury that... Um, has made connections, decide to retire her. So she will be off to the breeding barn. So we'll chat to Kelly Bravo shortly about what's in store for Striker Light. Uh, this uh, next news story, is, uh, it's tremendous. I'll, uh, I'll let you elaborate on this one. Well, Darangile Prison have fostered their 400th greyhound, uh, preparing them for life in a domestic environment. The Prison Pet Partnership Program has been operating since 2007. And apart from the fact we're getting more greyhounds into foster and getting looked after, I think it probably benefits the, the prisoners yeah, perhaps sure. more than what it does the dogs in, yeah. in the scheme of it. Um, as you know, Trent, greyhounds, any dogs have that unconditional love and um, they're not judgmental. So the fact that they're just getting attention yes. and a very strict routine, which I think is important for a retired greyhound because they're so used to a regimented mm. life. And to have some sort of structure in a new environment creates that sense of security for them. So 
um, I think it's been a massive win-win all around. And look, I'm sure they'll get to another 400 in the next couple of years as well. Um, speaking about adoption, over 40 greyhounds will be up for adoption today at Sandown in one of their adoption days. And uh, the Ready to Race series uh, kicks off shortly. It sure does. So nominations are now open for the Ready to Race series for Greyhounds Welt between July the 1st, 2016 and June 30th, 2017. The series is held in November at Bendigo. Um, I might try and get Troy Harley on next week and we can have a little bit more of a chat about this because they've opened this up to not just Victorian yep. Greyhounds this year. So it's And it's proven to be, I know... Like everything, it's got to start somewhere. But it's proven to be a good thing for people wanting to get, you know, a greyhound. And when you want to buy something, you want it now. You want yeah. it racing tomorrow. You don't want to sometimes buy a pup and have to wait 18 months and go through all that rigmarole. So um, I think it's just been a terrific concept that they've been tweaking every year and looks like it's still on track to be successful. Good stuff, Simone. All right, let's go have a chat to our first guest, and that is Kelly Bravo. <laughs> What's making news around the kennels? Racing. Aston DB a little bit slow to begin speed there from Striker Light going through to lead them on the inside. Up to second, Kurt maybe out of the straight, a bit of a jam there. And shooting clear of Striker Light going to the back straight, it raced away. Strike Light's 10 in front. Aston DB going around the outside of Slicker, they were followed then by Bewildering. Then Poke the Bear followed by Kurt and Rora Billy. And out of range back at the tail, coming off the back, those Strike Light as well clear. Over Slick up to second, followed then by Aston DB in the straight, and Striker Light is clear, flying at the end, Slick, but Striker Light from the Temple. Slick second, third spot on the race would probably go to Aston DB. Close hand, he poked the barrel over the inside, bewildering. Followed then by out of range, Rorability, Kurt of AM, and the time for the race around 30.06. And joining me now on Talking Greyhounds is the trainer of Strike Alike, Kelly Bravo. Good morning, Kelly. Morning, Simone. How are you? I'm good, thanks. It must be bittersweet listening to that replay. I'm just reliving one of her great moments. Yeah, look, it is. We we knew she was, you know, her time was starting to come to an end, but we just thought we'd get that last campaign out of her. But, um, yeah, a little bit sooner than what we hoped, but probably haven't got our head around it yet, to be honest. <laughs> Can you just tell us about the injury that she did sustain earlier this week? It was in a trial, wasn't it? Yeah, well, she didn't trial that great. Um, you know, normally her, her splits are pretty electric, and um, when we're bringing her back after, you know, a little bit of time off or... Um, you know, she can get a little bit tired towards the end of her trials until she's 100% fit, but she just didn't run a very good time overall. So we suspected, uh, initially we thought it might have been one of her old injuries with her um, tears in her triangles, but, um, you know, we, we put her away in bed that night and went back out to check on her. And, um, yeah, she'd actually, she chipped a stopper bone uh, in one of her front legs, obviously. So she went off to the vet and that confirmed that the next day. And, you know, with her being sort of towards the end of her career, we just opted not to not to sort of push ahead. We should be probably getting close to four-year-old by the time she'd be ready to sort of make the track and she's done enough. So we just made the decision there and then to to retire her. She sure has. Now, Trent sitting in the studio here with me has been a massive fan of Stryker and um, he's just as disappointed as the rest of us. Yeah, disappointing. But, uh, gee, she's been a, a great bitch for you, Kelly. 62 starts, 30 wins, over $700,000 in prize money. She's taking you, taking you and the owners on a, on a great ride, including our good mate here, George Ferruja. Oh, massive, yeah. Look, you know, you, you couldn't get two nicer people in George and Cheryl and their families, you know, to, to be a part of it and... Um, yeah, look, she's, she's, like you said, she's taken us all on a great ride. And, you know, early on, I guess, well, you never know how good they're going to be. And, 
Um, she always showed that she had lightning sort of early pace, but we didn't know early on that she'd have, you know, enough strength to run a good 500 and, and you know, she, she sort of got there in the end and, um, yeah, she exceeded all our expectations really. Was, um, you've pretty much answered my next question, Kelly. Um, it's almost been two years since she debuted at Ballarat, running a 25.32 over the 4.50 there, backed it up with a win the next start also. And you've just mentioned that you, you didn't know what she was going to be capable of, but surely that first race um, gave you some hope and excitement? Yeah, look, uh, you know, she never had a great run home time, even, you know, in her pre-training days, so... We always thought we'd have a nice 450 dog. You know, at that stage, we were just looking at training her. And, um, you know, so we always thought, well, she, you know, she, she's going to be, win some nice races over up to 450. And um, it really wasn't until she came out at Sandown. And I think her first run round there, she ran 2930s. And we went, wow, you know, because she, she just, you know, she just didn't show that she had enormous strength. But, um, you know, her first and, and mid-race sections are just phenomenal. And that's where she used to sort of break the fields up and, and her run home time, you know, it wasn't terrible, but it was it was good enough to sort of um, to, to just get her to hold on, you know. So as long as she got a got away cleanly and, and didn't have to work too hard early in the race, she she always sort of was able to stick on at the end. And she enjoyed a great rivalry with uh, Uphill Jill throughout her career. Tell us a bit, a bit about some of your memories of that great uh, rivalry. Yeah, look, they did. They, um, you know, they're, they're probably two little iron dogs, really. They've just hmm. um, they've made so many group finals together. It's, you know, I don't even know if there'll be two other dogs that'll ever, ever sort of match what they've done. But um, yeah, like you know, I think there's always been a bit of a rivalry, especially you know with the media and all that type of thing with the dogs. Um, obviously, we all get along great with Rose and and Dave and vice versa. But um, yeah, you know, they're probably always one dog you always thought you didn't want to draw each other when, <laughs> when heats and things come out. So it was nice when they guarded and seated them a little bit because they, they tend to meet each other a lot in the finals. 19 group finals she made, Kelly. Three group one wins, the Easter egg, the Futurity, and also the Tim Lee that we listened to. What's the most memorable group one for you? Um, look, I, they're probably, you know, I guess the, the Easter egg, not, not because of the value of the race, but just the type of race that she had to, to run to win it. Um, you know, she didn't, she had box seven, so I didn't give her a huge, I personally didn't give her a huge chance out there. I thought there was a lot of pace on the inside that she probably couldn't get across. Um, but she she somehow found a way to you know to get to the lead and she had to really tough it out at the end to to win and you know with it being you know over 500 meters that that was a big thing for her and you know that was that was probably a good one and you know the Tim Lee she came back after she um, you know had an injury and so that was that was a really tough win for her and and, and probably even the Warnable Cup it wasn't a Group One but. She had to really dig deep at the end to win that race and, and run the best time she'd ever run to get up and win. And I think it just showed how, how sort of gutsy and how much she loved racing, you know. She was the 2016-17 Sprinter of the Year, a title that uh, she certainly deserved. So what's next for her, Kelly? Obviously the breeding barn. You just wait now for her to come on season. And what plans have yeah, you got exactly. for her? Um, yeah, so she's, well, she's basically confined to, to just, you know, a lead leave for eight weeks now until her, the, the, the chip in her stopper settles down and works out what it's going to do. Um, we were really grateful she didn't need surgery, which was nice. So, um, yeah, look, we'll just wait for her to come on season and um, I'm pretty sure at this stage her, the future will be with Black Magic Opal, the first with us. So um, all going well, that's, that's where she'll be heading, yeah. And um, plenty of early pace you would expect from those t- those pups. <laughs> yeah, well, let's hope so. If they can, you know, throw the pace and, um, 
you know, just just her sort of will to win. She just, um, you know, she she loves racing and and she'll no doubt she'll really miss it as much as we'll miss watching her race. But um, hopefully she'll settle down and, and end up being up at the house with the rest of them and um, you know just sort of calm down a little bit. But at this stage she's she hasn't realised that um, her racing days are no. like driving us insane. Anyway, <laughs> it'll be a long eight weeks, but. Um, you know, I think once she can start galloping a little bit again herself and just keeping herself, you know, fit, fit um, yeah. even though she's not going to be racing, um, she'll be a lot happier. <laughs> I had Paul Bartolo on a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about his win in the Melbourne Cup um, about 10 years ago. And, you know, retrospectively, he said, you don't realise how big it is to have a dog of that calibre at that time because, you know, 10 years down the track, he hasn't yeah. had anything that's going to make a Melbourne Cup. So no. do you think it's something that, you know, in years to come, you'll sit back and think, gee, we can't believe that we actually had a greyhound like her. Yeah, I think so. George mentions that a lot. You know, he, he kept saying, I don't think until, and until she's actually finished racing that we can really sit back and appreciate, you know, just what she has done. Um, you know, like we've always said all along, she's, she's definitely not the fastest dog we've had in our kennel. Um, you know, and she's not always the fastest dog that wins the races that she's won, but just her, you like I said, her early and mid race pace and her just her will to win just just made her special, you know. And, and as much as you can have a lot of fast dogs, they they don't all have have that. And I think that's what makes them, you know, the group dogs better than than just your fast dogs. Oh, she's certainly been sensational to watch, and um, we will miss her in retirement. But um, no doubt there'll be another one pop, pop up in your kennel soon, Kelly, that we'll we'll all be talking about. So um, <laughs> I can only hope. <laughs> oh well, Brett, Brett said something the other day had a, a pup trial very well. So we'll just have to—I yeah, don't know the name you know. of it, but we'll just have to look out for her. No, he doesn't have a name yet. His name's Snappy. <laughs> Snappy. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, he's, yeah, it's very early days, and you know, like I said, you can have a lot of fast dogs, but it's a long way until they, you know, until they actually prove themselves but you know it's enough to keep us going for a little while longer we're, we're definitely scaling down but if we we keep getting the odd one that pops along and and keeps us in the game well we'll be in it a little bit longer so well let's hope it all works out and thanks for your time this morning <laughs> thanks for rsn 927's talking greyhounds with simone fisher and joining me this morning on talking greyhounds is craig monogatti who is a club manager at warnable good morning craig Good morning, Simone. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to talk to you. All the new things that have been happening at Warrnambool, um, we're, we, we just want to hear about it because I've heard that there's um, been some major redevelopments down there. Yeah, we've been lucky enough really to do four projects. We've got a brand new judges tower, which was much needed. The old one was very old and antiquated behind the times. Um, we've refurbed the whole facility, so we've got great amenities for everyone now. And we've done some work in the kennels and on the track as well. Um, to make sure that everything's A1 in those areas. Warrnambool's always been regarded as one of the premier country tracks and the facilities there have always perhaps been a little bit superior to some of the others. Um, why did you need like a, the function room to redevelop the kennels, um, the judges' tower? Uh, as far as the function room goes, I think it's important in this day and age that we um, embed ourselves in the community as well as in race nights. So... Um, Having great amenities means more people likely to come up on race nights, but also to um, ha- have other functions and activities up here, which um, any money generated through that goes back into the racing industry, which is fantastic for everyone. Um, as far as the tower goes, we had um, work-safe compliance issues that needed to get sorted out, so that was a real reason behind the tower getting redone, but now we've got great facilities there as well. Um, and the work 
the work with the track and with the kennels was all about um, making the conditions as safe as possible for the animals and as pleasant for the trainers. So what actually has changed on the track, Craig? Um, are we going to expect new track records or anything like that or has it been quite subtle? Uh, it's interesting. We've actually we've changed the camber, so we've increased the camber a little bit. Um, to the eye, it's not noticeable, but when you walk around it, it certainly is. And what we've found, it, we've had three race meets to date, is it's hard to tell whether the times are going to improve or actually slow down a little bit. There's been a bit of a mixture. Uh, but what we have found is we've had pretty clean racing so far, um, which is great. I was going to ask you about that. Is there a significant difference in the way that the greyhounds are getting around that turn that you've noticed? Yeah, look, there seems to be less collisions than what there was in the past. Um, as I said, we've only had three race meets, so it's still early on. But it seems like it's helping and that that was the plan, that we'd have less collisions, or less impact going around the bend. And that's just certainly the case thus far. Well, that's great news in itself because you've got the Seaside Carnival that comes up um, over December, January. So I guess with all these new facilities and a new kennel, you'll be hoping to get quite a few people down there. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the highlights of our racing calendar every year, um, that Christmas New Year period where we race eight times in 15 days. So um, very busy for the club at that period, but it's also a great period for the greyhounds racing industry in general because there's a lot of people that don't normally come to the track that come to the track and enjoy greyhound racing at that time. I know firsthand when I lived down there um, over summer it was just a hive of activity there was always things going on at the track and it's just a great family club and atmosphere you've got that real amphitheatre type feel to the the place where you have that nice sloping hill down onto the track so I guess um, with everything improved that's not going to change either you just expect more people. Yeah, exactly right. We are lucky to have that amphitheater, so we have a natural outlook down onto the track. Um, and then, obviously, over the Seaside Festival, we really concentrate on the families and have lots of kids' activities and discounts for families and that sort of thing. So, um, certainly a great time for families to get down here. Sure is. Now, these things are costly. Um, I'm sure that the club have had to have a little bit of a helping hand when you're talking up in the millions of dollars. So how did you get the funding for such a project, Craig? Yeah, so all the works ended up costing uh, had over $1.8 million, which um, was generated through grants from the state government and through Greyhound Racing Victoria itself. So there's, there's a fund through there called the Victorian Racing Infrastructure Fund that the um, money comes out of racing and goes back into racing, so we were able to get... Um, a $700,000 grant from the state government for that, which has made it possible to do all these activities to smarten up the place. That's great to hear. I know the state government are very supportive of racing and also greyhound racing, and it's great that they're still investing in our sport, but Warrnambool's such a greyhound-dense area as well, isn't it? Um, you know, many people living on farms or rural properties that have greyhounds, and, and it's generations that have grown up with them. Yes, that's right. We get um, lots of trainers that are probably small but medium in size down here. So we still have a lot of hobby trainers, which is great. And, um, to me, that's one of the fantastic things about the greyhound industry is that in general, that anyone can get involved and race against anyone else. So um, it's not just it's about the big trainers, it's also about the little trainers and their chance to win. And it's great seeing the little guys get up at times. 
And Craig, you've had a few months off. How long's this project actually taken? Uh, it's taken about four and a half months. So you've had, has it been like a bit of a holiday for you for the last four oh, and a half months? It hasn't been like a holiday at all. Oh, honest. right. So actually, going into it, I thought that uh, I'd be able to catch up on a few things I wanted to get done. But as the project got going, I realised that um, a lot of those things on the wish list we weren't actually getting to. So um, it's amazing. You, you you lose your normal routine, but a lot of things come up with a build of this magnitude that needs your attention day in, day out. So um, actually ended up being a pretty busy period. Oh, right. Oh, well, it sounds like it's all been worth it. It's paid off and um, sounds great. I'm sure I'll be down there very soon with some dogs. And um, I know my husband's been there, but t- it'll be time for me to go down there with some dogs. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yep, look forward to seeing you down here, Simone. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. It's that time of the week again, Simone. Fast times. A few this week. A big Sam margin for David Jensen, a 1656 at Healesville over the 300. Short to excite, a 29.40 at Sandown for Graham James over the 5.15. Jiggy's luck for Andrew Zeri, a 22.16 at Shepparton over the 3.90. Two fills cool for Ray Fisher, a 21.86 over the 3.90 at Warrnambool. Dinah Hunter, a 22.17 at Warrigal over the 400 for Steve Collins. It's only one and a half lengths outside the track record. And Steve also had Dinah Winter run a 17.65 at Cranbourne over the 3.11. And Baruga Brett, a 30.76 over the 5.45 at Ballarat for Brooke Ennis. It's the expert pick, Simone's Run of the Week. What do you got for us this week, Simone? Greyhound called Sweet as M, only its second start at Sandown on Thursday night, running a 29.39 after being tardy early. All right, keep an eye on Sweet as M. And our dog to follow last week? Uh, my reflection hasn't had a start this week, but uh, certainly keep an eye out for it. And our doctor follow is? Sweet as M. After that 29.39 maiden final win at Sandown for Robert Britton, uh, I think she's certainly going to be a star of the future. She wasn't the quickest away, but the way she hugged the rails and mustered some pace and won by over seven lengths was very, very impressive. you got a best bet for us this weekend? Sure have. The Meadows tonight, race two, number one, Sharp Diamond for Wayne Basalo, down in class slightly and has had two places over this trip from uh, three starts. All right, what's coming up? The Gap Adoption Day today, Adelaide Cup next week, the Million Dollar Chase is coming up and Geelong Cup Heats are only a couple of weeks away also. But um, you can just go away and relax, Trent, I'll and be have tuning a great in from time. the Banana Lounge at Port Douglas. <laughs> uh, don't worry about that. Uh, Riley Phil and, oh, sorry, Andrew Cuse, in fact, will be looking after you next week uh, on Talking Greyhounds. So uh, thanks for coming in, Simone, and you'll be back next week. I won't. Uh, we'll say keep those tails wagging and we'll do it all again next week. We'll be uploading the best of today's Talking Greyhounds to rsn.net.au.